With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Sound Heart Radio, and uh, we want to give God thanks for allowing us to meet with you this Sunday morning, and we also want to remember those who were who lost their lives uh, in the tornadoes, and those who also suffered injury or injuries and loss, so we want to pray for them. And just remember what is going on in our country today. Uh, There's so much and so many things that have converged in order to overwhelm, in order to create discontent, in order to push people beyond uh, the limits of endurance so that their lives are, or our lives are, are a continuous uh, crisis. They they want uh, people to be pushed to the edge and then beyond. So we're aware of this and we are aware that there is a public health crisis uh, afoot and people are having many uh, emotional and spiritual problems today that are associated uh, with stressors. Uh, a mul- the multitude of stressors that have impacted and are impacted their lives, not only daily, but moment by moment. And so people need uh, an oasis, not an escape, but an oasis of the spirit. And I can say quite confidently that that can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is our oasis uh, within the desert of uh, the cosmos. The cosmos does not want to offer us anything of value, but rather what we do have and what does remain uh, within our possession as, uh, as a value, the cosmos wants to take that away as well. Understand where we are and understand who the enemy is. The ultimate enemy, of course, uh, is the devil. He is our ultimate enemy. But also understand that there are unclean spirits and there are, uh, there are demons that uh, wish to inflict great harm upon believers because uh, believers uh, 
are not out from them as a source. Believers are out from God as a source. And uh, believers have undergone the new birth. And so they have migrated out from the estate of death into Christ. And so therefore no one can snatch you and I from uh, the hands of God. Let us have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin our study for this morning. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for our Savior, who gave himself on our behalf, that he might redeem us, Lord. And so we have salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also understand that we are called to live out that salvation in our practical experience, in our practice. And so we thank you for that opportunity, Lord, and we know that without you, we can do nothing. So we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your divine guidance on a moment-by-moment basis, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, our study uh, for this morning uh, is entitled, Is Your Life a Prophetic Embodiment of the Second Coming of Jesus? Is your life a prophetic embodiment of the second coming of Jesus? And so uh, let me also follow that question up by saying that uh, prophetic living demands the sacrifice of the things of the flesh. Now, the cosmos is built upon the distractions of the things of the flesh. And so it is built, it is designed to distract, to lead astray, uh, and to appeal to uh, the, the lust patterns of the flesh. I, I need to be very frank. Because I, I need for believing ones whose desire is to uh, live lives that are well-pleasing to God, you need to understand where, where we are and what, what is going on. So uh, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to read uh, from John 15, uh, verse 5, John 15, 5. Uh, the very words of our Savior. Quote, I am the vine, and you the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Unquote. Here the Lord Jesus states, our active connection with him. And because we have that active uh, connection with him, uh, this means also uh, it represents our vital or that we are vitally connected to Jesus. There is a conjoint relationship that we have in him. So whereas in the, the past, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Please read Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, now we have passed out from death into life. 
uh, Zoe, that Zoe, that is eternal life. And Peter states that the eternal life that we have is God's own life. Peter writes that uh, you and I have been made partakers of the divine nature. Now, you need to really think about that for a moment. We have been made partakers of the divine nature. And so John writes, uh, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, that is Jesus, for we shall see him as he is. Now, Paul would write in Romans 8 that we have already been glorified in Christ. So there are these very, these monumental truths that we must focus upon and we must meditate upon them. Please read Psalm 1. We meditate upon the truth so that we can understand uh, the truth so that we can digest the truth so that we can, um, as it were, metabolize the truth. That which we receive of the truth intellectually, that which and uh, we believe by faith is stored up in our hearts. And the doctrine that we store up in our hearts is usable uh, for the uh, the things that that we encounter in life. And so that is why it is so important to not merely have an intellectual comprehension of the scriptures, but also a vital uh, understanding of the scriptures so that we can live lives that are well-pleasing to God. This is when that happens. And this is how you and I lay hold of eternal life. And so this is when also we bear fruit to God. Notice what Jesus uh, says at the end of John 5.15. Without me, you can do nothing. So understand that there is no independence in Christ. There is complete dependence in Christ. Upon whom? Upon God. We lean upon God. Uh, not only do we lean, uh, we don't lean, no longer lean upon our own understanding, but in all our ways we acknowledge God. We acknowledge him. But we, we uh, our lives are now upon that solid foundation, that rock. Please read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Our lives now rest upon that solid foundation, which is Christ. Paul speaks of Christ as that one foundation. There's no other foundation can any man uh, raise or build on that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. He is the only foundation, the only one that has been laid for us. And Paul writes that as a skillful master builder, he is an architecton in the Greek. He builds wisely upon that one superstructure. So you and I must 
do the same. Now, having said that, he goes on and he says, uh, God is going to judge our works. Gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, or that which is blown away, chaff, wood, hay, or stubble. Where do you want to be? What is it that you want to demonstrate with the great salvation that God has provided for us through Christ Jesus? Is your life a prophetic embodiment of the second coming of Jesus? We see today the, uh, the different socio-political, socio-religious, socio-philosophical positions that people have taken within society. We see their, uh, the fragmented nature of society. We see uh, what happens when that one foundation has been removed. And indeed, the West has left that foundation which, uh, was pro- uh, which God provided for Western culture. And now uh, we see that communism, socialism uh, have united into one and become a, a, a sociopolitical technocracy that seeks uh, to decimate common humanity and create what they call a transhumanist culture. And understand that when these people inject individuals with their uh, with their patented chemicals that changes one's DNA. Because these patented pharmaceuticals changes the DNA of individuals, now these people claim ownership over these individuals. Now, you, once you take their chemicals, you belong to them. And so... That is very serious. And you can look up the patents on these chemicals and when they, uh, when they were put in place. So believers live in a, a very, uh, very dangerous uh, technocracy. So this is a final manifestation of the cosmos, and we're, we are living at the end of the church age. We are li- living at the end of this particular ion or period. And so you see, uh, we're beginning to see what the end of this age is going to, how it's going to unfold and take place. Now, a long time ago, uh, there's a book called The Late Great Planet Earth, which, which talked about the end times. And then uh, Dwight Pentecost of Dallas Seminary wrote a book, Things to Come. And then uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Abolition of Man. These, these books are well worth reading. 
and also uh, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. You should really understand that book. And uh, you should read the books of, of, of B.F. Skinner. Uh, and B.F. Skinner talks about the eradication of man. Uh, the Ghost in the Machine by Kessler. You should read that book also. The, uh, the Brave New World. You should read that book. One Dimensional Man. You should read that book. The True Believer by Eric Hoffer. You should read that book. Now, I say this because if you want to understand where we are, you have to know where we have come from and how we arrived at this point in history. And still, the gospel message, the euangelion, remains strong and pertinent. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And that statement that our Lord uttered in the first century some, uh, now over 2,000 years ago, that statement is worth our understanding. It is time for believers to really uh, do some serious thinking about what is going on with their lives. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book, How Shall We Then Live? And another book, by Oz Guinness called The Dust of Death, uh, also about Western culture and what has taken place. All these books, these, uh, these books that, that were written by conservative uh, believers, now we see uh, what they were telling believers. With all their hard work and research, they, were, they wanted the believing community, they wanted the family to know what is going to unfold in the last day. Now, Jesus said with regard to the world, <clears throat> in the last days, they will uh, go on uh, marrying and giving in marriage, and their lives were, would, will go on. Because they have no perception of spiritual things. And Jesus said, as it was, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. They, their lives will, there's just no spiritual discernment. But believers have an opportunity to know certain things and to uh, uh, cast off the works of darkness. as an old uh, soiled garment. We were to cast off the works of darkness. And Paul talks about that in the book of Romans. Jesus is coming again. And isn't it interesting that, that Paul had to say to believers that they uh, should cast off the works of darkness. And just think, just think very carefully about uh, why, is, why, is, why is that relevant for us uh, in, in, in these days? Well, uh, something has, has changed, and I want the, the believing community to know that 
the time for, for being wishy-washy and for being indecisive and saying, well, I'm just going to be a closet believer. All that stuff is gone. Romans 13, Paul writes, uh, beginning in verse 11, Paul writes, quote, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. He is speaking to believers. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Remember I said that earlier. Let us and the, the picture here, uh, the verb cast off, it, it means to discard or, or as one would, a, a soiled garment. Let us therefore the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So uh, there are two words in, in the Greek New Testament that refers to darkness. One is skotos. Uh, that has been transliterated as darkness. Skotos means sin and misery. Sin and misery. I don't want you to fool yourselves. I don't want you to think that anyone sins sins successfully. And I'm talking about believers. There's no believer who has sinned uh, successfully. That's in Congress if one is a believer. If the individual engaged, the believer engages in sin or pursues sin, then God is going to address that uh, that believer through uh, disciplinary marriages that we can, that we read about, not only in the New Testament but also in the Old Testament. Read Isaiah one, and you want to uh, you will get an overview of what happened to the people of God as they. Uh, involve themselves in sin, and Isaiah uses different words to talk about uh, the harrowing, the harrowing, destructive uh, nature of what God's people did to themselves through sin. And not only did they receive that judgment in their persons, but also their economy, economic ruin. And the context of Isaiah is uh, that the uh, is the Assyrian threat. You see, God incrementally moves in, and He incrementally takes away uh, our freedoms or the freedoms of those, the opportunities of those the uh, who have sinned. Whereas the believer in the Psalms uh, can rejoice. David says. You know, God, you've given me a wide space. Whereas a sinning believer does not find that to be true in his or her life, the space becomes constricted and narrow. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. Now, I know that sounds incongruous. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow or constricted is the way that leads to life. And Jesus said, few there be that go in there at. But broad, wide is the way that leads to destruction. 
So the second word, so skotos uh, means sin and misery, whereas skotia is a word in the Greek that is in transliterated as darkness. It means darkness as unhappiness or ruin. Skotia refers to the consequences of sin. And then there's another word, uh, uh, scandalon. Uh, scandalon is concerned mainly with the fact uh, that it incites certain behavior which leads to ruin or conduct leading to ruin, scandalon. Someone's life, uh, and in the first, this scandalon refers to a believer who lives in such a way that he causes uh, believers within his or her periphery to sin. Is your life a prophetic embodiment of the second coming of Jesus? See, those who have this hope of the second coming of Jesus do not live lives that are scandalous. They don't live that way because they are focused upon living lives that are well-pleasing to God. They are focused upon Jesus. So then uh, in Romans 13, Paul goes on, uh, let, us, let, us cast off, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the arm of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Isn't that incredible that you have to write such a statement to believers? That is, let us walk appropriately. Let us walk appropriately. Let us order ourselves, order our steps appropriate, appropriately as in the day. Not in rioting, that is partying and drunkenness, not in chambering, uh, that is whoring. I, I'm just telling you what's what's in the text. He's writing to believers. And wantedness, not in strife and envying. Then he uses the verb uh, in verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on. Now, in verse uh, 12, we're therefore to cast off the works of darkness in verse 14. We're to put on. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Now listen, uh, you should read James about, about, and what James says about sin. Read chapter one. And notice the language, and make not provision for the flesh. Make not provision for the flesh. Uh, People, believers can set themselves up to sin against God and themselves. Now, this is what James writes. I'm reading from James chapter 1 now. Uh, And he writes about what happens when we make provisions for the flesh. James 1.14, quote, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. But every man is tempted, and the word tempted here means solicitation to evil, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, please understand the, that the will, 
the will of the individual is involved in this behavior. Now, I've been watching some some TV shows with my family, and it's interesting how they present these psychotherapists and these psychiatrists in these shows. They have these formulaic answers to to human behavior. They are adept. They are uh, highly trained and skilled uh, in these uh, the, the answers that they provide. And so, it's, it, and I, I look at this stuff with amazement. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't good therapists. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But, but I want you to realize that the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the cunning adroitness of sin. But every man is tempted, and this is anthropos, so it means man and man, man or woman. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, then when lust hath conceived and notice uh, the what he is illustrating it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death so James would be hard to read for a, a lot of believers because he's an old preacher, and uh, he wants to tell the truth. He lives what he lives his message. He walks his talk. As with the Old Testament prophets, as with the, the apostles and writers of the New Testament as well, they walk the talk. question is, do you walk the talk? I'm not saying go and look at the lives of other people, and compare yourself to them. Now, in uh, the church at Corinth, Paul had, uh, there was a group of believers who compared themselves with one another, and they had the most horrendous situation going on in there, in that particular church. And you see, when people are self-centered, ego-centered, when they haven't crucified the flesh, the focus is on what? Himself. And they had terrible sins going on. And they would not judge that sin because they didn't have the spiritual strength of stamina. They did not have people who, very few, I would say, lives embodied the prophetic, uh, prophetically embodied the second coming of the Lord Jesus. You don't want to ever. Live in such a way as to cause someone to stumble. And that word stumble is scandalon. We then who are strong, Paul writes in Galatians 6, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. I've been around some, if you've been around the churches as I have, Man, I tell you, the way the saints can move so easily into uh, gossip. And 
and I and I observe, and, and I have to leave sometimes because it's just this sustained slander of another believer for whom Christ has died. They don't break a sweat. Their tongues are swift, whereas uh, James writes, be slow to speak. And so they just want to uh, slander to death this believer or a believer. It is amazing. And these same slanderous individuals who blaspheme or who stand against the life of another are chagrined when their lives are judged. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. The judgment you meet, M-E-T-E, old word, old English word, is the judgment you received, that you will receive. So I am an arrogant, a super saint, and I'm highly religious, then that, that doesn't apply to me, or so you would, you would think. But it is evil. You stand against the life of one. You seek to slay, destroy, and ruin the life of someone for whom Christ has died. Person, that person's sin was judged on the cross of Jesus. That's what my Bible tells me. James writes that there is one judge who is standing at the door. There is one judge. But these individuals have stepped up and they have claimed to also be a judge. And so they judge other believers. Now, this is what James writes in James 4.11. Speak not evil of another brethren. He's writing to believers. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. That is the word of God. And judgeth the law. You see where this goes. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Verse 12. James writes, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest? The word judgest means to pass sentence, pass down sentence. Who art thou that judges another? You see the conflict? The judge does not perceive that he or she uh, in judging another should also condemn 
him, uh, himself or herself. That's not in their understanding. You see, when the personality uh, has been fragmented in this in this way. So now, in the book of Hebrews, we have a a, a stunning message that we need to hear because the Lord Jesus is coming again and he's coming for his own. We are, as believers, uh, we, are, we are to be clean. Our lives must be clean. We have our great high priest who is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is now, what is his ministry? Well, according to Hebrews 1, he, he has finished, uh, we have a finished salvation because of Jesus, but now his work continues on our behalf. If you read Revelation 1, you see that Jesus Christ in his glorified body is dressed in his high priestly garb. And he, is, he judges the church. He walks among uh, the seven golden uh, candlesticks. So this is what, I mean, now in Hebrews 9, here, uh, verse, beginning at verse 24, Hebrews 9, 24, quote, for Christ does not enter into the holy place, places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. See, this is deep doctrine. This is heavy doctrine. This is doctrine for the mature. This is not uh, milk for babes in Christ. This, this, is, this is strong meat for the mature. For Christ does not enter into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world. Okay, so... When did the end of the world begin? Well, it began with the death, historic death, burial, and historic resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The end of the world. Has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself? Now, the verb to put away sin means cancellation, to disannul. To disannul by the thousias, the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Now listen very carefully to these words. And verse 27, and as it is appointed, and so this word uh, means it is laid away, L-E-I-D, it is laid away unto man once to die. Uh, 
And in the Greek, the emphasis is once for all to die. There's no reincarnation. There's no reincarnation. There is no pantheistic absorption into the void. Now notice, it is appointed unto me once to die, but after this, what? The judgment. Now note, once again, death is not all. Judgment follows. So Christ was once offered, Hebrews 9.26, Hebrews, Hebrews 9.26, I just read. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him, he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And so this is where we get the second coming of Jesus. He shall appear the Deutero the second time. In the book in the Old Testament we have the book of Deuteronomy, which means the second, the second giving of a law. The law uh, the book of Deuteronomy was written for the children of those people whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. So we have the second giving of the law to them. And on a very sad note, you're going to read in the book of Judges that these people, the children of those who went in, uh, they did not teach their children the word of God. And so their children, they have they had no history, no understanding of what God had done for them. Isn't that incredible? And so we read about the apostasies that began after Joshua died. And Joshua said, they said, we're going to do this. And Joshua said, no, I, I know you. And what, what you're going to do after I am gone. And so God appointed the champions. Um, and uh, so these champions, these charismatic military champions, God raised up on behalf of his apostate people. Because they did not embody, uh, they were not the prophetic embodiment of what God had done for them. You and I, opportunity to study the word and to learn what is required of us, what God requires, where God wants us to be, how God wants us to think, how God wants us to live, in these last days. Now, verse 28, so Christ was once offered very many unto them that look for him, that is with eager, we look for him with eager expectation. Don't you want to be taken and snatched away out of this place of ruin, of sin and ruin, of sin and misery 
of sin and darkness, of sin and lies, of sin and deception. I don't want this place. I want Christ, and I want to be snatched out of here. I want my family to be snatched out of this place, and you as believing ones, I know you want out of this place too. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. The last prayer of the book of Revelation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.